and welcome to Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford and joined as always by my friend and co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu. How's Cyprus this week? Are you guys all okay after the big earthquake that way? Um, yes, thankfully we are. Um, the only real impact that, that we felt directly was that it woke the dogs up, who then woke us up. Um, it's um the the first one which was the largest there would have been sort of two big earthquakes and all these associated aftershocks um lasted about 90 seconds which that's that's pretty long by earthquake standards i'm told Mm -hmm. um and yeah i mean the scenes coming out of syria and turkey are are horrific um my heart goes out to all the people that are affected out there it's a it's a terrifying thing um because never do you feel quite so powerless and small as when the earth itself starts shaking you just realize how insignificant you are and that there's nothing you can do weather itself the the earth uh, no matter what we think we can do what we can control the earth has different ideas some days for sure yeah hopefully I, I mean, I haven't followed it much. I'm kind of doing the anti-news thing at the moment, but what I have seen, scary, terrible. Best wishes for everybody over there in uh, both Turkey and Syria, which I think are the two hardest hit areas out of that. Oof. For sure, for sure. All right, let's get on to more positive stuff. Well, do we have any positive stuff? What's what's going on in the follow-up, Stu? I don't think it's so positive. <laughs> okay well um my my um my dog travails or travails perhaps uh continue so i was doing a lot of running around for chicago last time we talked uh this week i've been running around uh with and for spice so uh dog number one as she's known in the house uh has she's jarred her back she's done something to her back she's irritated a long-standing injury a, a genetic fault I, I we don't know but uh she suddenly became um unable to jump so she won't jump up on anything um she's very scared around stairs she's looking very sad you know all the things that you don't want to see um so uh, obviously when i walk into the vets these days they throw rose petals in front of me and, um, you know, offer me free beverages. Um, given that I educate the children and grandchildren of all the staff there with the, with the money that I pay them. Um, we've, we've sort of done an X-ray this morning, uh, which was quite a sight. Um, it's good to know that they make radioactive shields, um, sort of big enough for a man of my, uh, of my girth. So, um, it, it's it's essentially it's like a lead apron that um you put you put your arms through as if you're in a hospital gown um but it's got big plates to stop the the x-rays doing the x-ray stuff um and then you get a special thing uh sort of there'd probably be a a medieval name for it lisa help me out um it's, it's like a it's like a throat protector um so that no radiation gets to your thyroid and so you put that and have that sort of stapled onto you uh, so that you can hold the dog down while they do a couple of x-rays. On guard. And so that was a new experience for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I was fully armoured up. I, mean, I was thinking, yeah, give me a, you know, give me a lance and I'll go jousting. Um, okay, I can't ride a horse, which could be technically an issue there. But anyway, you know, you're with me. Um, the upshot is that uh, Spice needs an MRI. Um, 
which is a reasonably new thing to be applied to dogs. I mean, it's reasonably new for humans, I suppose. Um, and Cyprus being Cyprus, you know, we are in the, the Mediterranean. Um, so pragmatism is the way forward here. And there are no dog MRIs in Cyprus, but there are MRIs. So once the humans have finished using them, uh, you can sort of slip in through the back door with your dog under your arm um, and cross the right palm with uh, with the right amount of money and you get a full spinal MRI and expert analysis. So uh, that's going to be happening next week. Um, and I have to say the appointment is a full hour and a half after my bedtime. Oof. I'm going to have to have a nap just, in, just, just to get there. Um, but there you are, the joys of being old, eh? What about you? Any follow-up from uh, sunny Canada? Uh, not too much. I was going to say, though, no matter what happens to Spice, uh, she's just turning into Coco. You can lead a perfectly loving life carrying a dog up and down every step and up and down from the couch. And yeah, my whole day is spent picking the dog up, putting the dog down, picking the dog up, putting the dog down. She's fine. She loves it. Uh, she can actually, she's recovered enough from her leg surgery that she can jump. She just chooses not to. I get the wolf that tells me what she wants. Uh, she'll sit there, for example, at uh, lunchtime. We sit at the, the table and have lunch. She wants to go on the couch. She sits in front of the couch, stares up at it and woofs because she wants to be picked up and put on the couch. <laughs> uh, so you, my friend, have a wonderful life ahead of you. I've been a complete slave to dog number one. Well, the, the funny thing is that her, um, her distress or possibly some, some impact on the nerves um, has moved her bark up possibly two octaves. So, I mean, she, she was never a Rottweiler, but um, she now has a sort of very high-pitched bark that, yeah, I, I dare say that will wake me from the deepest of slumbers because it goes right through me. But perhaps this is, as you say, just training for that, uh, mm. that carrying job. Yes, believe me, it's it's one of those things. We we have neighbors actually uh, when in the summer when we're out walking the dog, uh, they have sort of a, an informal bet on. Oh, they're walking the dog. Will Justin be carrying the dog this time, or will the dog be walking? And it's about fifty fifty apparently at this one neighbor's who was, um, well taking the Mickey of me because uh, apparently my idea of walking is me carrying the dog around the neighborhood. <laughs> so there you go, things to look forward to, Stu. Yay. All right. What's your tool of the week? You got anything good? Uh, tool of the week for me was, well, walking golf. I mean, we've touched on this a million and one times. So I'm playing at my new club and also at my old club. But the new club, which was my old club, everybody keeping up? Mm. Um, Flow chart. I can walk. So I, I don't need to have a, a golf cart. I can uh, walk with a little, you know, push trolley. Um, which is obviously electric. It's another set of gadgets that you can get excited about. Um, really? If we're me, who would have thunk it? But uh, I get a lot more nature that way, um, partly because you're not sitting next to someone in a, in a cart. Um, and, you know, there are, there are lots of types of golfers, but most of them are chattier than I am. So walking gives you that little bit of solitude and you can you know, look around the trees and the sky and you think, oh, um, and of course it gives you more exercise, which is mostly the reason I'm doing it. Um, but the thing I'd forgotten is that sort of exercising like that in nature gets the endorphins going. And 
Um, endorphins are really positive things. They make you focus. They make you feel positive, which is important in golf. Um, so I'm playing better golf and, and feel more invigorated by the end. So there you go. Who knew? Dang, I got to play more golf, Stu. That's it. Uh, my, my tool, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a confession. You know, we, we talk about focus and productivity and all that stuff. And well, geez, I fell off that wagon. I binge watch TV with uh, Mrs. T this week. Okay. Found a new to me survival show. And this survival show I binged watched over the course of four days. Uh, we watched uh, 11 episodes. Oh, wow. Which is horrendous. You know, like three episodes a night for us is absolutely nuts. I never watch that much TV. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's a, a program called Alone, hmm. a TV series. Uh, it was filmed, I think, 2015. Uh, it is, it's a survival show. Basically, uh, people are dumped on Northern Vancouver Island uh, with some cameras to record their process. They have 10 items that they're allowed to take with them, you know, like a knife and uh, whatever else, uh, tarp and whatever. Uh, so they, they don't have a lot of stuff. It's not like they're, you know, camping with Trocosaurus. Um, there's no voting off. They're given a satellite phone and they're told when you can't handle it anymore, uh, you can call for rescue. And, oh boy, is it something else, uh, especially, you know, sort of living in the same neighborhood and knowing some of the challenges that they've seen, um, you know, just going out there, I think this takes place in sort of October and they're out there for a while. Um, it's amazing. There's no voting off. There's no politics. It's just people trying to live, trying to make shelter for themselves, trying to make fire for themselves, trying to make food for themselves living completely in the wilderness with no resources. Um, I found it from a podcast. I was listening to an episode of The Art of Manliness, uh, where they talked with one of the winners. And I just thought, wow, that sounds really neat. Watched it and absolutely was hooked on it. The idea of this is completely ludicrous. Um, you know, it's, it's fantastic. It's amazing to watch. And boy, these guys just just some heroes like i i couldn't do it i couldn't do it. i mean you know going away for in the truckosaurus for a weekend is uh, you know my idea of roughing it at the moment so uh, i'm not sure if you've watched this if you haven't I, it does make really really entertaining and engaging tv watching and uh perhaps mrs l will be into it as well uh yeah um it's um i think i've seen a uk version of it um, I don't know if that such a thing exists or whether I've made that up. I think I saw um, uh, one that was based in the Highlands, whether it was called Alone or called something else, I don't know. Hmm. Well, there are no original ideas anymore, so uh, I'm assuming you're probably right. Yeah, um, I, I, I didn't follow it. I didn't watch it. I just sort of saw it advertised and thought, oh, that looks interesting, and then completely ignored it, as is my want. Um, but no, I shall, I shall have a look. It's, it's on Netflix, to which I have access. So, uh, mm. well, binge-watching binge TV is, I, I try, Justin, I try. And there are some things that I will, you know, I will go out of my way to watch. I mean, some of the, the Apple TV things, uh, Slow Horses, for example, I would um, you know, watch that as soon as it comes out. 
But at the moment, we, we're trying um, something that's very old news for everyone else called Shit's Creek. Mm, another Canadian show. Yeah, it's supposed to be supposed to be really, really funny and really, really good. And um, I've got to say, I'm somewhat struggling with it. I'm so like, mm, okay, yeah, kind of. Um, which is is odd because, I mean, it won all sorts of awards. And I remember people talking about it. It's the best thing ever, but uh, I'm struggling a little bit. My wife watched that, uh, really enjoyed it, looked at me and said, no, it's not your kind of thing. So, um, mm. yeah, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if it is not your kind of thing as well. Okay. And the other thing I was going to ask you was the art of manliness. That's a long time since I've listened to that podcast. Is it, is it worth a, a listen? I don't listen to every episode. Um, so art of manliness, uh, despite the somewhat problematic name, uh, they, the guy that does that, um, interviews a lot of authors, um, and you know, there's, there's a little bit of crossover for stuff I'm interested in. Uh, -huh. uh I generally look at the title. I delete more unlistened to than I actually do listen to. Uh, but the odd time, you know, this, the title of this one was the survival myths that can get you killed. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that really appeals to me. Surprisingly enough. Uh, so, you know, there, there are occasional stuff there. I wouldn't put it as a, a regular listen in your podcast feed, but if you're ever looking for something, scroll through them, you know, every once a month and you'll probably find one or two episodes that are worth listening to. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to do a public service announcement for you here. Um, Justin, I've been experimenting with um, a little app called Podcasts. Um, it's made by a uh, sort of scrappy unknown company called uh, Apple. And it's difficult to believe how crap it is. Um, <laughs> so it's not improved in all those years? No. I mean, I, I sort of thought I would give it a go on the basis that Apple often um, releases apps that are, you know, very flawed to start with. But then after a few years, they sort of get their heads around it. So I'm thinking of, you know, notes, I'm looking at you, um, reminders. Mail? Oh, never mind. Hmm. Okay, well, it's it's better than it was. I'll say that for it. So I thought, okay, I will go to the Apple Podcast app because um, that will work seamlessly with my HomePods. Uh, the old HomePods. <laughs> and of course, nothing works seamlessly with the with the HomePods. Although I had a period of six months last year where everything was fine. So quite what they're mucking about with to screw it all up again, I don't know, but I wish they'd stop. But having come from Overcast, um, which I think is probably where you are, isn't it? Yes, that is. The first thing I notice is how much you miss that strip silence that Overcast does. So podcasts that I know kind of, you know, inside out because I've listened to, you know, every episode since since I got into podcasts uh, five, six years ago. Um, there are suddenly pauses in there that, are, oh, I didn't know. Mm, okay. And it does sort of break the flow. It makes it a bit pedestrian. And, and secondly, the thing that really, really confused me was – the synchronization between um, just asking the home assistant to play it on a home pod, the Mac app, and the 
iOS app, it's never to date got it right. So I might be listening here in my office, so I might have just yelled out, please play this podcast. And that takes four or five attempts because it will have played me three rap songs first um, and then some sort of weird um, new release from a band I've never heard of. And then eventually it will play me the wrong podcast. And finally, I'll work out the magic incantation to get to play the right podcast and sometimes even the right episode. Uh, and then I'll be listening and I'll have to go out and run an errand. So I will get into the car, I'll put my um, headphones on, my little, you know, AirPods, and open up the, the podcast app to sort of resume where I left off. No, 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 no. We will start again. All of these devices were all in the same room. They were all listening. But how can they not sync? So I think I shall be, I might have a little experiment. I might go and have a little look out in the big bad world just to see if there's anything that, that does compare with Overcast. You know what you need. You know what you really, really need. You need a pair of new, improved, fancy HomePods 2.0. Hmm. Or 1.5, as I think they're officially been known, because, well, they're basically <laughs> the same thing. Um, you, need, you need the new ones, because, of course, new technology, new expensive technology, will fix everything. Mm. Right, Apple? Yeah, I'm going to just hang tough on that for a little while and, and sit with my, my non-functioning 1.0s before replacing them with non-functioning 1.5s. Just, you know. I, I I quite like the old vintage non-function element of it all. All right. So my, my question to you, though, is actually a legitimate one, because I actually do listen to podcasts on my various HomePods and on my... Why don't you just AirPlay from your phone? I, I do. Um, and, and that's often... I work certainly with Overcast and stuff. That's, that's the only way you can do it. Um, and I just find it irksome that it should be so convoluted and difficult in this joined up world you know both you and i throw thousands of dollars at apple um in return for the fully integrated experience now the fact that their home assistant is i mean it's not industry lagging i mean it's not in the same game it is getting absolutely battered by any two kids at high school are making better voice assistants than apple has <laughs> and it's just bananas um and yeah, why should I sit there fiddling with my phone and then it comes up saying, do I want to play it in the, you know, the the TV room upstairs? Well, Apple knows I'm the only person in the house. Apple knows that I'm downstairs in the office. Why would I want to put something on my Apple TV? Why are you showing me that option? <laughs> it's just nonsense. So uh, no, um, I, I, will, I will go on a tour, get frustrated that all the third-party apps will we'll say to me, yeah, we'd like to do that, but, you know, we can't. Apple's API. Why not? Well, because, because the API is terrible and the voice assistant's worse. Yeah, okay. Uh, but anyway, that was, that was just a quick aside. Uh, if anybody is thinking, you know, has podcasts got any better? No, it's dreadful. It's awful. I can't code and I could make a better podcast app. <laughs> All right, Stu, let's get on to something more positive. What's your pen and ink of the week? 
Oh, well, uh, not much has changed, really. Um, my Pilot Custom 823 is still doing the work along with the Sailor 1911. Um, the, the Custom 823 is sort of moored at my desk, whereas the, the Sailor has been in my little messenger bag. I've been commuting all the way up the stairs. Um, Carrying a dog. Yes, the dog under one arm. Uh, one thing I would say is I've been using a dapper pad from Dapper Notes, uh, which is, you know, it's just a little notepad to have uh, on your desk. And it's handling the ink very, very well. Um, I've, I've put some links in there, one for Nero's, because we sell them, but also from uh, the man himself, uh, Enon Avatel at Dapper Notes. These are really cool little pads. If you want a little pad that uh, goes by your desk, sort of... Um, uh, landscape. Uh, these are the thing for you. He's got, he's got a load of sizes. Go and check them out. They're very, very cool. I have never seen these before. I'm just looking at these now. They're pretty cool. I like the, I like the format. Yeah. Um, I did some mink testing for Enon on some of his papers a while ago. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, as far as it goes, they are pretty dang good. They're certainly, you know, not Tomoe river or anything like that, but, uh, for what they are, really really good um so you know uh, even I'm, I'm not sure about uh Stu's big fancy mont blanc but um you know i i mean these are the ones i'm looking at are only five inches by eight inches so that's only what uh one or two words for Stu with his big mont blanc uh, but... <laughs> no i mean i'm i'm writing notes with the the 823 broad nib um with a reasonably wet brown ink um and that that pad is handling it perfectly not surprised at all uh, very good. Very good. I, oof. Thanks, Stu. Just what I need. But that would actually go really nicely on my desk. It's it's a landscape orientation. Well, there you go. Dot grid. Oh, Stu. I don't need any more stationery. It's the good stuff. <laughs> well, what about you? What have you been using this week? Uh, well, th this week was a weird one. I was breaking out, well, pencils. Uh, I had some some math stuff to do that I had to do longhand. Um, and I actually pulled out a Rotring 600 in the 0.7 millimeter lead. And I have a lovely Japanese um, graphite in there in a super soft and dark 2B, uh, which is, you know, I've got a couple of these and once in a while I'll break them out and I just, they, they feel so nice. They're heavy. They're a metal pen. But they just feel so nice in your in your hand. That knurled grip is lovely to write with. So, uh, yeah, I've been really enjoying that. I've uh, killed off some pens, uh, but seeing as I had sort of eight of them inked up at one point, I haven't refilled anything yet. I'm trying to get them down beyond sort of uh, a point where I can use them on a more regular basis uh, before I start refilling or filling new pens. So it's been a pretty quiet week, uh, and I've just been loving this pencil really nice and i don't have to sharpen it every uh, three strokes like i do a black wing sure yeah no, no. it's like if you're gonna if you can have a mechanical pencil then you've got to try the rotary 600 because many have tried but i don't think anybody's surpassed it yet mm -hmm. all right our topic this week we're gonna get to one at some point apparently uh the great resignation da, da, da. oh you you kind of packed up everything and moved to Cyprus and well, <laughs> I didn't resign. I, I kind of, you know, sort of did the, well, if you want me to work, I can work, but I'll be further away. Um, so yeah, we've both got some experience with the great resignation. Mm. 
All right. So, uh, Stu, what are your thoughts on the Great Resignation? Uh, well, I mean, I, I suppose define it first. Um, the, the Great Resignation that we're referring to is the sort of uh, 2020, 2021, where um, it appeared that many, many people were um, resigning from their positions or resigning quietly, but quiet quitting, um, because they'd, you know, been spending so much time staring at their navel uh, during lockdowns that they'd made some decisions. Now, I mean, certainly for me, I'd um, I'd sort of resigned, well, fired myself actually, technically, um, when when I sold the the business that was you know occupying most of my time, and elected to sort of have a bit of a part time role, a bit of consultancy. Um, accidentally bought a notebook company um and then subsequently moved to cyprus so i wasn't really in that uh in that wave but i sort of when it when it came along i mean what i've written in the show notes is that that i got the impression the media had said oh two plus two ah that's 22 um during lockdown, most of my sort of experience and knowledge would be UK-based, um, mm-hmm. um, obviously UK and Cyprus. But the during lockdowns, a lot of the you know sort of care care people, um, uh, hospitality industry people, their jobs essentially ceased to exist temporarily, at least. And you know the government was laying on support, but uh, you know a lot of those roles were were casual and sort of zero hours and um you know that those people fell between the cracks and so that they couldn't work and they weren't getting paid so they had to find something that they could do you know within the lockdown you know they couldn't go and work in the bar or in the restaurant and so for the media to go oh the great resignation well i don't know i think that smacks a little bit of um, a privileged journalist sitting there going, it's yes, absolutely. I think we should all move to, to Cornwall and surf more. Um, whereas for a lot of people, it, was, it wasn't a question of, of resignation. It was a question of, you know, how am I going to put food on the table? Um, this, as, a sub, as a sort of consequence of that, then when the lockdowns finished, um, companies struggled to fill those roles. Um, and you know, I suppose the, the discussion is, is that because we as a workforce have gone, do you know what life's too short or is it for other more prosaic reasons that people have guessed I'm sort of falling more on the side of the prosaic, but, um, I'm really interested with, with what happened and how it's sort of changing and evolving because my impression uh, and you can sort of confirm or deny is that actually it's kind of going away now um, as economic reality bites and, you know, big tech firms are laying people off. Uh, recession looms for all the major economies, really. Um, wh- what do you think, Justin? Has, ha- has there been a great resignation or has there been a great sort of hissy fit, but now let's all go back to work? It's a tough one. I see this. So some of the businesses that I work in range from, you know, sort of skilled trades right through to 
a business that hires a lot of front of house uh, staff that are, um, you know, more more mobile and um, don't require the experience and the qualifications that perhaps some of the other businesses do. Uh, I see that things have changed a lot in terms of recruiting quality staff uh, and more importantly, staff retention uh, seems even more challenging than ever before. So, you know, my, my own perspective, I was lucky I never got any time to sit at home and gaze at my navel during COVID. Um, the businesses, some of them were closed because, you know, uh, out here there was a mandated, if you're in food services, you are closed. Mm. Uh, but some of the other businesses were still ticking along and, you know, we were dealing with the realities of how to, how to keep people, how to, you know, keep the business going and all those things. So for me, I, I never had that time off in Canada. They put out a social safety net of $2,000 payments once a month to people that were working and no longer were able to, which, you know, people had to take advantage of and many did. Um, you know, of course with, with that, there was, uh, interesting accountability challenges that we're still dealing with now, but I think the break forced many of us to look at what we were doing and why. Uh, and I think it's forced job portability. You know, we, we kind of stay where we are, you know, there's, there's momentum. Um, and I think when people are laid off from a job, particularly, you know, a lot of the jobs, service sector jobs out here, where you kind of looked at it and said, do I want to return to that, you know, environment um, if I've got laid off from it? And and more so, you kind of look and say, well, was I really happy with what I was doing? You know, there was, there was a, certainly a factor to that. Um, you know, COVID changed a lot of things, uh, working from home for a lot of people. Though I'm not sure what you're seeing over in your side of the world. Over here, I'm seeing more and more companies wanting people back in an office. At least uh, hybrid is certainly a thing and even full-time in an office. I'm seeing that even for jobs that can be done remotely. Uh, is, is that something you're seeing in Cyprus and uh, from what you're hearing in Europe as well? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it varies wildly from from industry to industry and place to place. And I, I don't really have a, a clear picture of what's happening. I mean, I've I've read the headlines, um, you know, people like Apple sort of saying, okay, you know, you need to come back. And they've been sort of arguing that for, I don't know, they, they sort of tried over a year now, haven't they? Everybody's going to come back. Oh, no, oh, no, okay, we won't do that just yet. Um, everybody's going to come back Tuesdays, Thursdays, and, and half of Wednesday. And you know, it's trying to find that sort of reasonable approach. Um, a lot of businesses here, I think, um, I'm not sure that there was ever really a desire to go um, remote. Um, I don't know if that's a particularly Cypriot thing. I haven't really given it any thought. But there are sort of industries here where... Um, people were laid off um, and 
in other instances, were able to work from home. And yeah, I think you're right. They have been sort of called back to the office. Um, in many ways, I think because the businesses, you know, are either own the the office building they're in and want to get some use out of it, or are you know tied into leases, um, or have already invested in all the IT um, in a sort of fixed space rather than wanting to equip everybody with a new phone and headset and all of that stuff. Um, because obviously Cyprus is a very small place. You don't have massive businesses here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I've been sort of kicking around this thing for ever since the, uh, COVID came down was certainly a couple of my clients. Um, I noticed that actually I think one or two, it was so seamless that the senior managers were left looking at each other going, why on earth have we been paying for an office? Mm. Um, this is going brilliantly. Um, and, you know, they, they were getting great results. Uh, retention was way up. Uh, satisfaction was way up. Um, the, okay, they, they had a couple of advantages in they had a tech-savvy workforce, a young workforce. Um, who who appeared to find it really easy to to slip in to this sort of new routine. I think what they're finding harder is hybrid, hmm. because hybrid um, is you know, am I supposed to go in? Is it is it good for my career to go in? Um, if it's voluntary, so okay, I can go in, but I have to book a desk. Um, or I could sort of just stay here and work in my sweatpants. Um, you know, I'm not sure the motivations are quite clear as to, you know, whether, whether one should kind of sort of go in. If you, if you want to go places, you need to be in the office. You need to be in front of the boss, you know, those types of questions. I'm not sure that the clients that I work with have got to the bottom of that yet. Some of the others, uh, had to make, you know, sort of lay off large percentages of their of their staff and they did so with heavy hearts and as generously as they could bearing in mind how difficult things were and you know their their businesses have not come back to to where they were so um you know it's it's had a lasting effect on them but yeah the 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 question that you you raised about the sort of the why of work that's the one that that's fascinating me at the moment um, I possibly because of, of a couple of books that I've been reading. So, um, I spoke before, I think about Johan Hari and stolen focus. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, um, it's, you know, it's a well-trodden path about distraction and, um, um, it, the subtitle is why you can't pay attention. Uh, but it does get into that sort of bigger picture stuff of what exactly are we trying to achieve when we go to work? What, what is that all about? Um, and I'm now reading a book called Sleep um, by Nick Little Hales, um, which is, guess what, about sleep. Um, and I was, I was actually sort of thinking the other day, the kind of demands that employers you know sort of you know desired uh, prestigious employers the kind of demands that they're putting on their staff 
according to this book, are fundamentally bad for you. So, you know, you want to be, um, uh, I'm going to pick a name at random, please don't sue me, um, Morgan Stanley. All right, you, you want to work for one of these, these big investment banks and they have a culture of, you know, get in early, get out late, work hard, all the hours, rah, 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 work hard, play hard, you know, all of those cliches that you and I have thrown around for decades. Um, and it's, it's now becoming clearer and clearer that asking someone to come in and work a 12-hour day with a one-hour commute either way basically means that they will be unable to get enough sleep to be healthy. Let alone before we start talking about diet and um, stress and burnout and all of that stuff. It's, it's just companies are killing their stuff, not, not the one I mentioned specifically, but just that whole sort of focus and culture that we have. And I know there's the signs of it changing. But I think that maybe what COVID has done is accelerated that change where um, people are saying, okay, why am I at work? Why am I working for these people specifically? Am I being fairly reimbursed? And all of this comes from a position of privilege. You know, those, those guys who were working day to day in hospitality aren't going through this. That's not what they're thinking. They're thinking, I need money to get food. But for those of us who are lucky enough to be working in competitive industries with a skill set, um, we are possibly being more critical of our employer and more demanding of, of our why. <laughs> what, what is the reason for, for me doing this work? I was certainly thinking of this in terms of uh, my own history when you identify not just as a role, but with a company. You know, oh, I, I do this. I, this is part of my identity. Mm. And I was thinking particularly of, uh, you know, Twitter, we've, we've talked about it a little bit. So I think it's fair to kind of, uh, well, I hate to say the word pick on it, but look at that. Uh, the new owner came in and these people that identified as Twitter people, they had a name for them. I can't remember what it was. Uh, but half of them got fired overnight. Mm. Um, how do you bounce back from that? You know, uh, people are going to look at that, you know, out in the real world, you know, and I think this is kind of what's happened during this great resignation is maybe a lot of it is great layoff or, you know, great, um, I could be laid off. Therefore I'm going to consider where I am. How is your identity tied in with your job? And that job can be gone at any point. And how does that then affect that relationship to the company, which is how the Morgan Stanleys get people to come in and live and work and basically exist only for the benefit of the company. And certainly, yes, they're, they're paid well, there's nice benefits, they're set up well for the rest of their life once they've uh, broken down and given, you know, however many years of work to a company like Morgan Stanley. There is a, to me, fundamental shift in the way people are looking at that relationship based on the fragility of, oh, something external has happened and the companies got rid of people. You know, most companies had to downsize if they didn't during COVID. Uh, they certainly are now when the economic realities of the inflation uh, which I think is pretty much worldwide are hitting. Mm. So I, I think there's a lot of the why of work that is, that is uh, coming up, 
you know, I think one of the other things that uh, I kind of made a, uh, a thought of was the pros and cons from working from home too. You know, there, there are a lot of them. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to work from home. Uh, and I'm pretty good at separating church and state. You know, I'm, I'm not mm -hmm. trying to work those crazy hours. Uh, yet I still feel the pressure from being confined in one spot. Sure. You know, and I'm, I'm really lucky. I have a nice, fairly nice size house. I've got my own office desk workspace here. You know, I'm, I'm not in a one bedroom or two bedroom apartment with children and all the rest of that. But the need for me to make a break from this caused me to go out and spend a fortune on a big truck camper <laughs> because I was, yeah, I don't, this, this is my justification, but it works. Uh, it worked on Mrs. T. So it's going to work on everybody out there listening. Uh, no, uh, I needed to get out and get space. And we talked about it before the, the truck camper was, uh, kind of the, you know, the just in way of, uh, doing things, you know, the biggest, baddest way, but I was feeling that need to, uh, get some distance from the place I live and work. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that feel the same way. You know, if you, if you're stuck working from home, I can see why people would want to go back to an office sometime, you know, to get out, to get some social interaction mm. that is not family-based. So it's, there's a lot of factors that go in there, but I think fundamentally the why in there, I think that we need to look at the why and, and particularly, you know, if changing hats a little bit, um, we need to look at the level of engagement from your leadership dynamic, you know, how are you creating a place that people want to work? Because work portability, I think is, is much more obvious to people now, uh, particularly people that have, uh, transferable skill sets, the sort of hybrid remote approach, it's, it's changed the way that we work. Um, you know, and just the fact that if people are in a bad place, They've, in a lot of cases, people that would not from momentum have said, you know what, I'm out of here, forget it. They're looking at that and saying, you know what, I could do that. Um, we're, we're in Canada, we have very, very low, I think it's less than 4% unemployment at the moment. Um, now, I'm not a huge fan of those kind of statistics because it's so easy to say, well, not many people are looking for work. Um, you know, they've taken themselves out of the job market and, you know, those kind of things that artificially make that, that number lower than it would be. But my feeling of how difficult it is to attract and more importantly, retain quality talent in the workplace is that, you know, in the businesses that I'm in, it's certainly much more difficult than it was pre-COVID. Um, so I'm, I, I look at that and I say, you know, there's, there's a fundamental shift. Um, I'm not sure that the great resignation is exactly the word yet. You know, it's, it's a great headline getter, you know, the great resignation. I think it's more like a, a great awakening, um, you know, because people aren't just going out and leaving and not going anywhere. Some of them are, mm. but I think what it is, is a redistribution of skill sets. 
you know what? I've been doing this job. I don't like it. I'm not paid particularly well for it. I'm just not going to go back to that environment. And I think that is actually perhaps to me where, where the challenge really comes in is matching the why to what people do for a living. What do you think, Stu? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it is definitely, uh, I was thinking about, um, you know, the, the sort of basis of our economy, <laughs> the basis of our world is that, you know, we all frantically go to work to, to earn some tokens to, um, <laughs> to then go and buy the fruit of somebody else's labors. And you, you hear about companies that there's this understanding that a company has to always grow, has to keep growing, has to keep growing. So you have all these earnings calls and, you know, the, the forecast that, you know, are they growing? Are they actually going to grow? Oh, they're not growing. Oh, well, if they're not growing, I'm thinking, well, surely that's got to end somewhere, hasn't it? I mean, that can't be infinite. Um, it, it's kind of circular. And I, I'll tell you what made me think of it was the, the whole sort of revolution. I use the word, I did air quotes there, um, in AI. Mm. Um, sort of come to my door in that um that app that you i've spoken to you about a couple of times called paper mm -hmm. the sort of very stripped down writing app it's now got a little ai section oh chat gpt you can write for yourself kinda so you can sort of you know ask ask it to rephrase something for you or even to write something for you and i haven't used it so i've got no idea if it's terrible or or you know <laughs> or really good i don't know but it just made me think, well, this is just incredibly circular, this sort of going around and and doing these things for the sake of doing these things, or to, to create growth, to create, where does it all end? Uh, perhaps I'm having an existential crisis, I don't know. But I'm like, this, this is not sustainable. And I think people are getting to that point of going, well, hang on, why am I doing this? Why am I doing all this nonsense, whatever that nonsense might be? And I think that's a real challenge because, you know, without meaning, then people, people soon disassociate. And that's where all that quiet quitting stuff has come from. Is that people have gone, you know, this is all just meaningless. I'm, I'm going to go and do something that's meaningful, which is a, is a positive thing, I think. Past starting a podcast or a YouTube channel. I guess there's been quite, I haven't got any numbers on that. Have you seen any numbers? Or has there been a sort of boom in that type of thing? Well, there was a huge boom in podcasting in 2020, you know, when everybody was locked down, uh, podcasts were just, you know, going and going nuts. Uh, everybody was releasing a podcast. Uh, most of them do three episodes and then somebody realizes, oh, this stuff's harder than it looks. Uh, because you know it's not just you know having a chat with a friend you've actually got to do something with it sure uh, and that is the more challenging part that well for now involves uh, some skill but uh, apparently adobe's working on adobe podcast mm. which is sort of uh, an ai for basically doing a lot of the editing stuff that i do behind the scenes that is going to make my job well redundant at some point I I think I probably heard the same podcast uh, where you heard that. Um, and he was much more upset about it than, you, than you're sounding, Justin. 
You know what? I'm I, I'm okay with it. You know, I I use we we're talking. You were talking about uh, paper using this AI. Mm. Uh, I use Grammarly. Uh, I've been a yeah. subscriber for a long time, and their desktop integration is getting much much better. And I hate to say it, but you know, particularly in business writing, where you tend to be, you know, a certain way. Uh, I'm writing an email, and little Grammarly will make a suggestion, and you read it. It's like. Oh, heck, yes, that is better than what I can write. Or, you know, not necessarily what I can craft, but what I am quickly writing in response to something. The, the, I hate to say AI because, uh, well, I have, I have feelings about ML. The ML is mm-hmm. certainly much better at picking something up than I am on Quick Notes. You know, if I'm crafting something and I'm revising it and stuff like that, but you know, even on the, even on our show notes, uh, occasionally it will kind of just say, "Oh, there we go." Um, you know, there's a better way to phrase that, and that's fine. It's it's a useful tool, uh, and I can see a lot of things changing as those tools get better and better. You know, um, but again, how do you how do you keep people building the tools? You, you know, what's what's that change in skill sets? What's that change in motivation for it? You know, if you're a writer at the moment, you know, maybe you're a BuzzFeed writer making listicles, uh, you got to be looking at what, what my skills are and, uh, you know, how long that, uh, that has in, in terms of, um, what your, what your job experience is going to be in five years. So we shall, we shall see what that, that becomes, because I think the world is changing as well. So many different things that are coming into into a crux at one point that, you know, we're two old men looking back on this with no comprehension because what ha- what we have learned from the past doesn't really prepare us for the changes from COVID, the great resignation, the shift in, in jobs that is coming and the potential for a recession that I think is just around the corner. I'm, I again, don't follow necessarily what Stu sees as much as he does. But we've got increased interest rates. You know, we've got the signs that um, there is a push to stop growth. And that push to stop stop growth, it's kind of like turning a ship. Um, at, you know, you can apply a rudder to it. And you're kind of going to hope that it's going to go for a certain direction. But it's very easy to go past where you want it to be. Trying to, you know, dock a ship at full speed uh, into, you know, a small, tiny spot is very difficult. And I think that's what, uh, a lot of the governments I'm seeing in North America, particularly are, are looking at, they're trying really hard. They have to push hard enough to control something yet that push also could take us to a negative place as well. So I think this whole conversation will be different in a year from now as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. Oh, crazy stuff, Stu. Good thing you're already uh, resigned to Cyprus. Mm, indeed. All right. Any takeaways from this whole conversation? Um, well, I suppose it's uh, it's an observation for for the listener to to ponder on. Nobody has. I wish I'd worked more on their tombstone. Got that right. What about you? Uh, you you don't wish you worked more. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> 
the world has changed and continues to change. And I, I'm not sure where it will end. I'm not sure anybody knows what's going to be down the road. What I would suggest is, you know, be flexible and roll with the punches. You know, look at look at that value that you're creating. Look at the the organization that you're in. You know, if you want to be part of the great resignation and find something meaningful, there can be things that are meaningful beyond just a paycheck. And so just be flexible, be open, roll with the punches. And, you know, who knows what the next world, the next year will bring. Crazy stuff. All right, Stu, where can people find you on the internet this week? Uh, you can find me at stuartlennon.com, uh, where you'll find my writing. Um, and it, if you want to get in touch with me, probably the best thing to do is send me an email um, at hello at stuartlennon.com. Uh, you can also find me at nerosnotes.co.uk, where I'm, uh, I'm, I suppose I'm holding the fort as the long-suffering, hard-working Claire. She hasn't resigned, uh, but she is on vacation. So, um, Did she go somewhere warm? She has gone somewhere warm. I, I don't want to. I don't want to dox her, but she's on safari. I can say that much. Oh, there you go. Lovely. Mm. Uh, going somewhere warm, definitely. I could go for that. I'll come visit <laughs> Stu. <I think. laughs> what about you? <laughs> what about you, Justin? Where can people find you? You're still lurking on socials, or have you given those up too? I'm sort of lurking, but uh, not enough that I would see your message. Uh, easiest place if you're looking for me, JustinTwyford.com. Still having fun doing the YouTube thing. Who'd have thought? Um, my wife is really into it. So we're, we're doing this as a project together. And it's just uh, a lot of fun learning some new skills in editing video. Oof. Cool. I must have a look. I haven't, I haven't had a look this week. Uh, so that is at youtube.com slash at beyond your front door. Um, you can also email both of us, stationaryjacent at gmail.com. Please like and review us on your podcast catcher choice. And we really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues. Our next topic is going to be a little different. It's going to be tea. Very English. Too. Tea for two and two for tea. Lovely. Super duper. Perfect. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us. <laughs>